Yeah. Everybody's allowed to chime in whenever they can. Just I can't, your way you know, in, Jordan. <laughs> yeah. What are you like, talking about? I chimed in just as much as anyone else. Did you? Yeah. All right. I mean, you know, when your video wasn't breaking up, you might have saw. But... Oh. <laughs> Here comes the heat. <laughs> everybody, welcome back to episode 196 of Bourbon Pursuit. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Coleman, and this is the Community Roundtable. That means I don't have any news to talk about because all we talk about is the news on the roundtable. We get some of the latest gossips and uh, the fun cultural topics that we all love to hit on, such as barrel selections. But a little bit of news about us. We recorded a live podcast this week with Corky Taylor of Peerless Distilling Company. Make sure that you don't miss out on our live streams and live recordings because we have another one coming up in May. Make sure you're following us on all our social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and you're going to be the first to know when we go live. Are you interested in partnering with Bourbon Pursuit? We're the most downloaded whiskey podcast across America. Check out how you can get your brand in front of a million bourbon drinkers per year at bourbonpursuit.com and hit the partnership button. Or you can send us an email, team at bourbonpursuit.com. Now with that, you've got Fred Minnick with Above the Char. I'm Fred Minnick, and this is Above the Char. If you walked into a Louisville bar in the 1980s, you had a very little chance of getting a good Manhattan or Old Fashioned or Mint Julep. Most of the bartenders were used to just slinging beer and pouring a little whiskey on ice or neat. And then came a young woman named Joy Perini. She came from the Caribbean islands where she served as a bartender at St. Croix and made all sorts of daiquiris and various types of rum drinks and all kinds of banana frozen concoctions that made the island visitors quite happy. Louisville had never seen anybody like Joy Perini. She stood behind the bar and slung mint juleps like nobody here before. She made Manhattans and created special syrups that would complement bourbons unique to Kentucky. She was so amazing that Esquire called her the bad girl of bourbon. And the reason why, she would tell you off if you ordered a bourbon the wrong way, in her opinion, or if you boasted a little too much about what you thought you knew about bourbon. Because of her accomplishments in life, Joy Perini was named in the Bourbon Hall of Fame, the only female bartender to be inducted into the Bourbon Hall of Fame. When she passed away two weeks ago, I thought about my relationship with the 73-year-old. She was quick-witted, would always tell you what she thought, but boy, did she love family. She loved her daughter. She loved my family. And I got to tell you, if you were ever in Joy Perini's presence and she made you a drink, that taste, that moment, it would last a lifetime. Her longtime employer, Dean Corbett, died a few months ago as well. And I like to think that both of them are upstairs right now in the clouds somewhere, sipping on a bourbon. I hope that I can only add to what Dean and Joy did for the Louisville community and whatever you do in bourbon, whether it's consume it or promote it, I hope we can all live up to the standards that Joy Perini created. And that's this week's Above the Char. Hey, did you know I got a new magazine out? Go check it out. It's on newsstands now. Look for Bourbon Plus and Whole Foods, Kroger, Barnes & Noble, and a lot of other places where magazines are sold. Hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at Fred Minnick. Until next week, cheers. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits, and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. 
You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. And they're off for another Get 270-2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 0002703. Welcome. This is the 31st recording of the Bourbon Community Roundtable. It is another favorite of Bourbon Pursuit because this is the opportunity that not only do we have a variable mix of some of the biggest bloggers and authors in the scene of Bourbon here to join us, but we get to talk about recent news. And it's also the opportunity for fans, for people that are in the Bourbon community as well to join and watch this happen live and be a part of the live chat as it goes down. So Kenny, Ryan, and Fred here from Bourbon Pursuit Team. Fellas, how you doing tonight? Uh, great. I'm trying to count all the... <laughs> well, you were, it's 30, 31 times down. We had, to, we had to mess up at some point. I'm trying I didn't to think count you asked that uh, question. Why would, why would you hit him with a hardball? <laughs> Where's the bunnies? I was trying to count all the tiles on the bottom of the screen. I'm like, how many people we got? <laughs> what matters is, is the round table is a bourbon family. And I'm here at my cigar family in the lounge, smoking a stogie and just uh, excited to get this going. Yeah, I'm in my basement uh, looking at my kids' toys. <laughs> Pretty pumped. You know, let's do this. Pre-game. Oh, everybody's got a little bit different atmosphere. But this is also the pre-game that we're recording this about an hour before the NCAA Men's National Basketball Championship kicks off. For me, I've got to still go with SEC, so I'm pulling for Auburn tonight. Ryan, Fred, what about you uh, all? Auburn's not playing tonight. <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, we're, are you talking about Friday's that game out. Saturday's games? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. Sorry. Virginia. <laughs> Virginia. Well, Auburn um, should have won. Te- versus uh, Texas Tech. Yeah, I'm way Auburn off. Auburn should have won, but they fouled. You know, that's <laughs> yeah, uh, true. Texas but, uh, Tech, baby. Okay, let's just start over from the top. Go Big 12. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to go back. Virginia. Uh, I'm going I'm to go actually have Virginia. Virginia's yeah. who I'm Virginia's going. had two crazy wins. So, uh, like, the probable odds of them winning those games are, like, not probable. So yeah. it's probably they're going to win. Fuck them. <laughs> go Texas Tech. Red Raiders. There we go. So we got our first three in. Uh, let's go ahead and kick it off with our Cal Ripken of the Community Roundtable. Blake, take it away. Yep. Just uh, just continuing the streak um, all the way through undefeated in the Bourbon Community oh, Roundtable. Does that really count? That was like, <laughs> it counts. I'm, I'm not if sure if your fantasy skills up, it counts. <laughs> it's, if, yeah, if you play – if you even throw a pitch in a game, you count it as played. But, no, so tonight um, – uh, well, I'm Blake from Bourboner, uh, bourboner.com and sealbox.com. So for tonight's game, don't really have a dog in the fight. Uh, you yeah, do, do you, being a Florida fan? Okay, no, well, <laughs> back-to-back national championships <laughs> a decade ago, but let's <laughs> – um, I, I think it would be interesting to see Virginia win, you know, to go from the first number one seed to get knocked off by a 16 seed and then go back and win the national championship the next year. That's a pretty cool story. Um Texas Tech, I really just have no connection to other than I like that Bobby Knight coached there for a few years. But um, so uh, my heart would say Virginia, but I don't think they're, they're going to win. I think Texas Tech actually wins. If we're going to do a spread, I'm going to say Texas Tech by seven. Okay. And I'm going to one up this. Yeah. <laughs> I got right. a, a bourboner pick on that one if anybody wants to take me up on this. Oh. Now, now things really get heated up. Now. I just said a, Is that a five star pick. Water. Can I put yeah, my mortgage yeah. down on it? <laughs> That's a five star guarantee. <laughs> Brian, sipping corn. Go ahead and take it. 
All right. Thanks. Uh, yeah, this is Brian with Sipping Corn. Uh, find me at bourbonjustice.com or sippingcorn.com. Uh, my team tonight, I'm in protest, so I'm still rooting for the cats somehow, some way. <laughs> but uh, since they can't win, since it was robbed from us, uh, I'm going Texas Tech tonight. Uh, the the improbability that Ryan was talking about of, of some of those games that Virginia won and just not being able to put points on the board makes me think this is a Texas Tech kind of night. There we go. And, like and, and in honor of one of our topics and one of our guests, I've got a uh, Wild Turkey 1855, the 108.8 proof. Nice. And I've got to drink the rest of it because a reminder to people, corks can still break <laughs> after the initial opening. So the rest of this is going down. Oh, boy. Cheers, guys. Well, somebody's going to sleep really well tonight. Cheers, Cheers to a good news day. <laughs> Jordan, take it away. Sure. This is Jordan from BreakingBourbon.com, one of the three guys on the site. Visit us for the release calendar, in-depth reviews. You can also find us on social, at Breaking Bourbon, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Patreon. And for the championship game, since Duke's been knocked out, I'm going to stick with ACC and root for Virginia. All right. And then we've got two other guests that are joining us tonight, and they're always familiar faces to the podcast as well. First, I'm going to go with Wade Woodard, who is uh, – uh, he's, he's, keeps the Tater library. He's got tatertalk.com. So welcome back to the show. Hi, good to be here. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm a whiskey geek. I have a blog site, tater-talk.com. I am the compliance officer of the Texas Whiskey Association. And we are within the next month launching a Texas whiskey trail with 14 distilleries on the Texas whiskey trail. Uh, let's see the game tonight. I one time was in Lubbock and I had my Aggie sticker on my car and I went into a restaurant and I came back outside and I had two slashed tires. So, <laughs> uh, no, I can't cheer for the Raiders. I guess I'll have to go for with Virginia tonight. And because it's turkey, I, you know, I brought out my Monday evening uh, bottles here. So I'm having a little wow. all turkey tribute. Yeah. Yeah, a little nice pour. So cheers. Just a regular Monday pour. <laughs> <laughs> Just happens to be above his computer as we're recording. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> All right. And then uh, David Jennings of Rare Bird, welcome back to the show. Hey, glad you had me on. Absolutely. And, and you know, give a plug about, you know, what you do and, and that'll kind of lead us into our first topic tonight. Okay. Well, I have a blog. It's rarebird101.com. It's uh, primarily uh, reviews of wild turkey whiskeys. I have some articles uh, from time to time. There's some resources there with the timeline and bottle codes and this kind of thing. Uh, and uh, more recently, I, I just finished a, uh, a first draft of, of a wild turkey book, which I don't know if you want me getting into that or, or, or not right now. But uh, anyway, I'm just glad to be on as far as uh, I, I'm just guys, I'm just not into sports as much as you guys. So uh, in my house, I'm rooting for wild turkey. It wins every night. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> is there, I was about to say is like, is there something in your life that like doesn't revolve around wild turkey? Like at some point, is your wife or your kids are just like, God, will you just quit it just for a minute? <laughs> I get it a little bit, but I, I try to keep it. Uh, you know, I try to keep it in check. So uh, anyway, it's all it's all fun, and and it's my passion. I mean, I really enjoy it. So uh, you know, it's it's hard. Uh, you know, if you if you don't love something, you're not going to do it every day, but uh, when you're really passionate about something, uh, it just happens on its own. So that that's that's my life on a weekly basis. And I, David, I got to tell you, when you when you um, reached out to me to read your manuscript, I was really honored, and uh, to see where you're going with it is fascinating. And starting a Kickstarter campaign that is one of the it's one of the riskiest things you can do uh, as an author to go out there and, and do that because you're, you're putting yourself out there. Everyone's going to see what the donations are. So right. take us through that process. Why did you choose to, to go with the Kickstarter route? Okay. Well, uh, you know, well, you know how difficult it is probably back when you first started to, to get somebody to pay attention to you and, 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 uh, and give you some type of publishing deal or one that's even worth a flip. And uh, I didn't really want to compromise. Um, I was, I'm, you know, willing to entertain, you know, publishing offers and that type of thing. But uh, ultimately, uh, you know, I, I felt like no matter what I did, if I went that route, it was going to take a long time. And, and you told me, you know, we're looking at maybe February at the earliest, you know, if something worked out. 
um, maybe later. Uh, and so I felt like this was the year. You know, I, I wanted to get something out there. This is Jimmy's uh, 65th year coming up in September, on September 10th. And uh, I would love to have a copy of this in his hands by that day. And I thought, well, uh, I think I have a strong enough fan base to get just enough to, to make that happen, you know, hire a photographer and, and, and get some design done to have a, a nice looking book. Uh, you know, it's not going to be probably as nice as some of the other hardcover books out there, but it was enough, you know, I could, thought I could get enough together to make it something worth buying, you know, and I, I'll be honest with you, uh, setting up the Kickstarter, it wasn't as easy as it was when I set up my Patreon. Um, there was a lot more verification to it and, you know, there was no guarantee that it would be approved. And so I, I put everything out there and, and tried to set it up as best I could and just kind of crossed my fingers that they would sign off on it. They did. And I, and I, I, I did the math and I'm like, okay, I just want to break even, you know, with this, you know, I don't want to, you know, you know, set myself upside down with rewards and this type of thing. So I sat down and did my math. I watched a lot of YouTube videos on how to run a successful campaign. Um, and so I, I did my research, and so I came up with $3,500 is, is probably enough to get the design, photography, all the stuff together to get something out there on where a book could be purchased on an on-demand uh, basis, which I'm sure you're familiar with, Fred, but like with Amazon, you can uh, publish a book on demand. So you send them PDF files, and they print the book as people buy it. Um, and so I was just trying to cover the cost to get the book there, okay? And so... Uh, it alarmed me to find out, you know, within 24 hours, I mean, it was like I had like $2,000 already, you know, and then today I hit goal, uh, like, you know, 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. or something. And uh, I mean, and now I'm at like $4,500 or something, you know, and the, wow. the bourbon community, um, y'all are some good folks, all of y'all. Um, well, well, David, and, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you that, uh, people don't open up their wallets to turds, you know, like they're, they, they do that to people they like, and you, you've always come off as a very genuine, very fun person and you get to know you and see it's, it, it, it's even more. And then you got that South Carolina accent, <laughs> you know, just pours this all in. Uh, <laughs> Bill Clinton back there. <laughs> I'll buy I anything he's selling. Bill when I was sick. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, well, um, you know, guys, I, it's it's humbling. It really is. And I really appreciate it. And I appreciate, you know, y'all having me on. I'm going to continue with the, the uh, Kickstarter. It's going on for another 57, 56 days or so. And uh, everything, you know, every penny I get above my goal is just going to go right back into the project, whether I can make a classier book than I originally set out to, or I can do some marketing. Uh, like, you know, I've been thinking about some ads or this type of thing where I could at least try to I'm not going to be able to compete with the big publishers, but I can I can maybe hit a target audience better than they can. No, nah, that's bullshit. You you can whip their ass. Go for it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go so, it. so let's with, let's kind of tease some people uh, here. Um, I'll just say with 57 days left, you you're on a pace to make 256 thousand five hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, I don't think <laughs> a lot of looking pretty right good. Here. Yeah, my wife's going to walk in the room turkey. if y'all keep talking like that. <laughs> so, David, I'll, I will give you I'll give you just some economics behind you know okay. books. Like I, you know I I've been writing books for more than 10 years now. And, uh, my first, my first, my first whiskey book, whiskey women, I had like 500 rejections. And, you know, uh, if, if I had the uh, access to like Kickstarter or had the notion to do that, I would have, I probably would have done it. Mm -hmm. But my advance for that was $2,000. Wow. And so they don't yeah. accept typewriter manuscripts. <laughs> <laughs> they actually do. <laughs> but, but uh, so you 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 actually stand uh, you know for what, how you're going about this, you probably actually stand to make you know legitimate money off of it you know from from the book sales if you're putting it all back into well, that, the book like that's this. the goal is just to kind of see if I can you know upgrade the product because I would love to have something in my hands that is comparable to what you would find on a book stand. Um, I'm I'm not cutting any corners with the Amazon print on demand. I mean it's going to be a full color photo quality highest grade paper that they have is going to be soft cover, unfortunately, because Amazon print on demand does not do hardcover. But if I continue to raise 
funds like this, I can have the Amazon print on demand for an option. And then I might be able to go to like Book Baby or uh, Ingram Spark or something and print uh, some hardcover editions. Uh, and those might have to be on a limited basis. It just depends, you know. Um, but that's kind of where I would like to go with it. Um, the most important thing to me uh, is that I want something I want something in Jimmy's hands. That's what I want. Um, if I can just tell his story, and of course, you know, there's the Rippy story in there, and, and there's a lot about Eddie in there. Um, but if that is what I really want, because uh, Jimmy is such a legend, uh, and I feel like it's it's his time to get uh, even. I mean, he's had a lot of accolades. I'm not going to lie. You know, he's had a lot of people uh, give him various honors. But uh, I think his there's a story there that a lot of people have not heard yet. And, and I think that this is the time. This is the year, his 65th anniversary at, at the distillery. Um, and I really want to make that happen. And I want to make it happen this year. And it looks like it's going to happen now, thanks to everybody and, and wow. uh, my Patreon supporters and, and everybody that's donated on Kickstarter, people that have tweeted, retweeted, uh, done stories on Instagram, Facebook posts, emails, word of mouth, all this stuff really helps. And I really appreciate it. And I can't say thank you enough. I really can't. Um, well, you so, still got more time to go here. You know, you, yeah. you, hit, you hit a goal within three days, which is fantastic. You still got 50, 50 some odd more days to go here. So yeah. I kind of want to let you give, you know, sort of one last plug to okay. people that are sort of on the edge or like maybe thinking, oh, well, he's already got his funding. Like, why should I even bother to promote it or, or back it still? But give some ideas of, of why people should still back it because of the stories and some of the content that you're going to be delivering inside of there as well. Okay, great. Um, well, again, I want to take any extra uh, funds raised and, and increase the quality of the product and promote the product. And the purpose of promoting the product is to make sure that the story of the Rippies and the Russells and of Wild Turkey Distillery uh, in the Lawrenceburg area is put out there. Um, and I think, like I said, it's a story that needs to be told, and it's the right time uh, with Jimmy's anniversary. And then we had the 101 anniversary uh, last year with Jimmy and Eddie's combined service. And so... That is the most important thing to me. If if it stays a self-published thing where it's promoted on my blog or my you know Twitter feed or my Instagram, it will reach people. It just won't reach as many people. And so I need to make sure I can raise enough to get it to the right places uh, like Bourbon Plus or something like an ad in Bourbon Plus would be a really cool thing. Um, and so that is, that's my goal. So I just have to raise enough money to do that. And uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, there, there's content there that you will enjoy. And there's a, a whole appreciation section, too. It's not just history. So if, like, history is not your thing, if you're like, ah, just not really. There's there's uh, going to be uh, a lot of reviews on there, uh, tasting notes, uh, my impression on different uh, expressions. And I'm doing a lot of photography. I'm paying for a lot of photography. So the book is going to have a ton of bottle porn in it. Uh, it's going to have a lot of, like, cocktail Ooh. porn. And it's just yeah, it's just going to be just loaded with pictures. Excited. <laughs> just loaded with, with just good porn at the end and of I've the day. And I've got a good photographer, so I, it, it's, I'm not, it's not, you know, my stuff. Did you so. hire uh, Vivid you Entertainment? You know, uh, wait, I, I don't mind uh, hitting up Whiskey Advocate either, but uh, they're not on the show tonight. Uh, <laughs> Plus, so I'm going to talk about Bourbon Plus. <laughs> know your audience. and uh, <laughs> you, you, you talk hey, Fred, about... Fred really likes you. porn, so he's... Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Fred's changing the subject back to that. And, you know, I, I'd like to get him in the VC. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. I haven't really talked to uh, Campari too much other than I did uh, arrange some... Uh, well, at least I started the process of arranging to, to have the photographer come in and be able to take... Uh, photographs uh, and make sure that there's no, you know, questions there. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, it would be nice to get them in, in in the visitor center. I think it'll probably happen in time, maybe after it's done and somebody has something to look at. Um, I'm doing a very limited run this week. I, I sent uh, a local printer uh, the book without pictures um, to have a, just like a mock-up made. Uh, so it'll be in the eight, you know, the five by 5.5 by 8 by uh, 5 or whatever, uh, you know, kind of book format, digest format. And uh, and I'm going to send those out to a, a few people uh, to do some editing and some review. Um, what's, your, Mike, what's your targeted date for release? And how can how can your fellow uh, panelists here help you? Okay. I would like to have it uh, completed 
in time to give it to Jimmy. So that would be September 10th. I'd have to have it in his hands. So September to at least have a run of the book done by a local printer. So it would be exactly like what would be on Amazon, but I can work with my local printer and have that rushed and done quick. So I could do that, have it FedEx. So, you know, I guess September 1st at the absolute latest would be, you know, my deadline there. But out to the world, you know, I put on there December because I didn't want uh, to kind of overextend myself or make promises I couldn't keep because I don't know what the turnaround time is with Amazon and these things. I haven't got into that, you know, much research on that side because I'm more focused on just getting the thing done. Um, but I put December, but I'm guessing, you know, it'd be more like October, November, sometime, sometime like that where it'll get there before the holidays. That would probably be the, the best thing to do because it would make a nice Christmas present, I think. You definitely want to time it with that. I, 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 <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try. The stocking stuffers, they start oh, accumulating. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll request that instead of the 50 bourbon stones I have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I just, I never imagine how much, I mean, you don't think about these things like indexing, like, you know, like Fred, someone does your indexing for you, you know, yeah. and like, I'm going to have to do that. And like, I started messing with Microsoft Word and I loathe Microsoft Word. I mean, it's got a lot of features, but it's just, it's it sucks the creativity out of you. Dude, don't, and, don't do indexing. I'll, I'll connect you with someone who will, We'll do yeah, it for he's got a great typewriter. That's, oh, wow. that's exactly right. I was going to say, like, we're getting out of the bounds of even what I even know to talk about. Well, I, well thank you, Fred. I mean, seriously, because I, I played with it and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to kill myself doing this. It's just not, I want to create, you know, I want to write. You know, I, I didn't do a review this week because I was so focused on getting all this stuff together. And I love writing reviews. So it really hurt, you know, to have to take that hit this week. Um, so if you've got someone that can do that, Oh, that, yeah. would, that would be awesome. Thank right, you. You two talk offline about okay. that. Let's get back to Burma. Nerd stuff. I'm sorry. Come on, guys. Let's get, uh, let's, let's let's get on the rails here. <laughs> so so I want to say, you know, David, thank you again for, for coming on and kind of giving us a thank little insight you. about your book. For anybody that's wanting to help back his Kickstarter and, you know, with the Kickstarter, you get an actual copy of the book, too. So you can get that link in the show notes of the podcast as well. But I kind of want to move it on to the next subject. And this is where uh, it kind of all happened in some sort of like Twitter spiral. Fred had tweeted about cask finished bourbon jumping the shark. Wade had a tweet about the TTB telling him that you could add flavor and color and still call it a bourbon. And my head was about to explode. And I said, you know what? Let's just have both of these guys come on and, and we'll just put it out there and, and kind of see who, uh, whose kind of feathers we can ruffle if we're uh, kind of tailing off the wild turkey thing there. So Wade, I kind of want to uh, toss it over to you to kind of talk about where uh, where this conversation spiraled out of. Well, if you have a bourbon or a straight bourbon whiskey and you put it in a secondary cask, it becomes class type 641 whiskey specialties. It's no longer class type 101 or 141, which is bourbon or straight bourbon. And the TTB has a chart that what products by class type can have flavorings added to them. And when you become a whiskey specialty, you're also allowed to add up to 2.5% harmless color flavoring and blending materials into a product. Um, so I think what's, that's what Fred was talking about somewhat is that you can add these flavorings into secondary cast finished products and you don't have to disclose the fact and then we had a, a major producer just came out with a bourbon that had been finished partially in wine cask, partially in sherry cask. And they acted like they reinvented bourbon and they were calling the product directly on the bottle. They, they do have that, you know, what was done to it, bourbon finished and partially finished. But wait, and people, people like us because we're transparent. Talk about the product you're talking about. <laughs> okay. Jim Bing legend. Mm. <laughs> so uh, if you go on Twitter and type in legend, every single post you'll see me posting the actual cola saying, no, it's not bourbon. It's whiskey specialties. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the cola label approval. <laughs> and th 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 this is something you've been on for, for a long time. I've been, I've been a lot more kind of just um, generally, I kind of, I like the category because I liked a lot of taste of them. But I've never really liked the fact that bourbon and straight bourbon are on these labels. And um, this year at the San Francisco World Spirits Competition, I think a lot of people know I'm a judge there. And uh, I had the special barrel finish uh, category on my panel. And we're tasting these. I mean, and it was like 
Uh, one was like over sherried. One was uh, over ported. One had one was like three different wine cask finishes, and that none of them had any uh, notice what note whatsoever of of a bourbon. And and that was a moment for me that you know where I realized that we're so far removed away from these things tasting like bourbon as a whole that bourbon should not even be on the label for these uh, for a lot of these special barrel finishes and when we create like a uh, a distilled spirit specialty or a whiskey specialty that allows them to do uh, a lot of the things that they want to manipulate it to remove it from the the actual flavor profile of the original spirit I don't think bourbon should be on that label. Is you're starting to see a lot of these independent bottlers, a lot of these uh, craft distillers try to separate themselves in the market. So instead of improving distillate or instead of uh, having uh, a good quality bourbon to begin with, they're trying to what they do in rum, which is add things to compensate for the lack of quality in the original spirit. And I got to tell you, it it has to have people like uh, Booker No and Parker Beam rolling in their grave because this is the sort of thing that uh, American distillers fought against in the late 1800s, again in the mid-1900s. Every time there's ever been an effort to, to mess with bourbon, distillers have rose up and fought against it. And today, it's the exact opposite. You're seeing the larger distillers you know, push for more of these allowances within the uh, within the federal government. And it bothers me. But I'm going to kind of take a, a different side of that because, you know, we, we talk to people all the time, all everybody, everybody that does all the, the barrel string finishes. You're talking the Angel's Envy, the Joseph Magnus yeah. in the world, everything like that. And they look at it as this is this is a new territory. This is a new angle. This is how bourbon is going to go to the next level because there's new new realms of experimentation. Um, well, that's how whiskey is going to go to the next level, in their opinion. But it's not bourbon. Yeah, yeah. You know, we had the Taft Act back 110 years ago in 1909 that basically said we couldn't have these adulterated spirits. And now we're getting back to, oh, well, let's add this stuff to bourbon again. So yeah, yeah. It, it, I, I know what you're saying. I know what you guys are saying when, when you support the category from a flavor perspective is very good. It's very exciting. But, you know, at, at some point we have to protect bourbon. And, it, and if we do not, then suddenly this is go, there's going to be an allowance of coloring and flavoring to bourbon. And we have to protect that. And that's all this is about. That's all Wade's talking about. That's all I'm talking about. I love, I love the flavor of the Angels, a lot of the Angels Envy products. I love the flavor of the Magnus products. Uh, I'm just coming to a point where, you know, there were pe- there are people in that category who are taking advantage of it, straight up taking advantage of it and adding flavor packets to it, you know, saying, oh, well, I got a little bit of a, this is a port barrel finish. I just happen to have an extra bottle of port. Let me just drop <laughs> that in there. You know, so that is what, People who are getting um, getting flanked by those who are trying to compensate for shitty quality distillate. And so that's all it playing is. playing just devil's advocate, not disagreeing, but just playing devil's advocate. So if, I guess more for Wade and, and Fred. So if they come up with a new category called bourbon whatever that defines the rules and regulations around how you can finish a bourbon, would that be something you're open to or no? I would prefer not to use the word bourbon. Call it whiskey. Call it American whiskey or call it some new name. Well, uh, but I, I'm like Fred, it should be protected. Bourbon. <clears throat> yeah, you got to. taste like bourbon. I think, I think what you have is th- them just not following the laws because I don't have a problem, and it sounds like y'all do, but personally I don't have a problem if they call it Kentucky bourbon finished in whatever barrels. But I, I just pulled this bottle, and it says a truly unique bourbon. That's not – abiding by the ttb standards and now on the bottom it says kentucky straight bourbon whiskey and then a line below it partially finished in wine and sherry cast so with that wording i would have a problem with it but i think it's you know for me i don't have an issue with it saying you know bourbon finished in whatever cast because that's what it is 
you know, it's it, maybe I'm we with, put that. I'm on with the you there, Blake. Pretending that they always do that, but if they start marketing efforts where they're just calling it bourbon and leaving off what was done to it. Yeah. It confuses the lines, and that's what Jim Beam is doing with this product. But interesting, I contacted the TTB specifically about this Jim Beam Legend product, and as the compliance officer of Texas, because I have 14 distillers that look to me and say, what can we do on labels? What's allowed? What's Wait, not? America America looks to you, not just to you. <laughs> <laughs> <The> nation is... <laughs> well, I'm really responsible for right 14. I want to make sure that there were the products they're putting out are fully compliant with all the laws. And some of them are making some of these products. And so I, I sent the TTB a you know, direct question, you know, is this Jim Beam label fully compliant with the TTB laws? And they basically came back and said, this label is compliant. So the TTB doesn't seem to have any problem with Jim Bean calling this product a unique bourbon. Well, I don't, so I don't think I'm, the government – go ahead. Sorry. Well, no, I, I was just I – I agree with Blake on the bourbon finished in, but my devil's mm-hmm. advocate question for Fred is it's, it's a subjective question to say when a bourbon finished in whatever kind of barrel – no longer has the attributes of bourbon. Uh, so how, how do you how do you govern that? You know, I, I think it's just a bright line. No finish. If you, if it's finished, you can't call it bourbon. Yeah. I, again, I'm not opposed to finishes, and I'm not even really opposed to uh, having uh, you know bourbon necessarily on the label. But it, it, is it when is it the when is it the main when it's the main word? on the label versus an amplified word. I think that is really where, you know, where we're getting it. Here, here's the thing with, with whiskey distillers, really human nature is you give someone an inch and they're going to take a mile. And, and it, it, that is where we are. I, I can't, I can't remember who, what the brand was when I found out what it was, but it was finished in like three or four different casks. And it was still in, you know, it's still on the shelf as a, bourbon you know angels envy is in one cask whatever you think of them they're in one cask makers 46 it's it's one style it's got french oak staves inserted but when you start getting past one barrel i mean that that that's that is where people will start taking advantage of it and then you're going to get into uh solera and you're going to get into all these other things that uh distillers are going to try to do to take advantage of it to stand out and to have use their marketing tools uh you know to get a very clickbait headline that will run rampant on something um like men's health or gear patrol or forbes or, or wherever and that's that and i'm just telling you from a pure like readability standpoint that jim beam story is all over the place it is all over the place and like what is what it's drawing ire from Wade and a lot of other people is that fact that it continues to be called bourbon and, and being so different. And, and, and it's getting put in that same kind of like uh, innovation, bu- innovation bucket as, um, you know, something like sweet mash, you know, and no one cares about sweet mashing. But to me, that's innovation for bourbon. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, that is real innovation. You know, the barrel finishes. I again, I love the category. I love so much of the flavor of it, but we're, we're getting out of hand. And I just know in rum, it's a shit show. You know, they say it's a Solera system. There's not Solera. Well, I mean, the other thing is, is that when we're talking about these finished casts, you all are gonna know better than me. But I don't think there's a, a law or anything that states about how empty. A certain cask must be or how dry or how how aged it has to be until they I mean, it could have six bottles of rum left in there or slur or port or sherry. It could have a few drops. There's there's what? nothing to say. I mean, so look at even at the they rebuild their barrels and then they refill them too, right? And that's how yeah, they recharge even. barrels. Yeah, exactly. Again, that's also what they do in rum. And and you know, there's there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, for for like creating a, a, a whiskey, uh, and another thing, Wade is is something that is uh, is is of growth right now. Are blends? We're seeing a lot of blends of various types of uh, uh, bourbons, and you know, and this this is another area where people can slip in a little bit. If you don't see blend of straights, you know, what are you getting? So there's just there's just a lot of things where there's this incredible. Um, I, I, I feel like taking advantage of 
of a of an eager populace to drink bourbon. Oh, and, you know, not to cut you off, but you know, it's funny the whole time we're having this conversation. So I think it's almost like the very front line has already been lost a long time ago. And when I think of, we'll take like wild turkey honey or Jim Beam stag or anything like that. So when I talk to a lot of people who don't normally drink whiskey or bourbon, right? They'll say, oh, I had this really good bourbon. It was like cherry flavored or I had this really good honey bourbon. And I'm always like, oh, and I start to explain it to them. And they're like, uh-huh, so do you drink that bourbon? And it just goes right over their head, right? Like the big distilleries, they won that battle a long time ago because in their minds, people aren't reading the label. They're already associated with the brand. Yeah. Right. And that's not even bourbon to begin with. It's just a blend of liquor and, and bourbon, right? Well, like that, you know, they lost a long time ago. Well, I think one thing well, interesting, was- you ask how, the, how these products can be compliant with the TTB. If you exceed 2.5% in these flavorings, mm-hmm. you would technically have to call it a flavored whiskey. We don't know how much product is in these casks when they add it in. So actually, a lot of these products, if you actually measure them scientifically, they're probably exceeding that 2.5% level that's allowed by law to be added to it. So a lot of these products, especially when you start doing multiple casts, like Fred was talking about there, probably exceed the 2.5% and probably legally should be called flavored whiskeys. Wait, but I have a, I have a question. Is there a definition for cask? I mean, what's a cask? Does it have to be a certain defined barrel or can it just be a wooden box? I mean, what's a cask? It, it may change soon. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what's a cask now? Legally. There is no legal definition for it. Uh, there you go. Matter of fact, it, in, in the TTB regulations, they call it an oak container. They never even say barrel or, ca- or cast. They call yeah, it oak containers. But They're changing that. Container finished whiskey. <laughs> I like no, that that's category. Jefferson Ocean. So, <laughs> wait, wait. I, I'm curious what you think of this. My belief is that if, if, if the buck, if it stopped with like something as simple as like, um, Angel's Envy. I don't think we're having this conversation. No, we I, I, I really respect what Angel's Envy has done because they never, uh, they always are, are always very uh, transparent that, you know, they're, they are bourbon finished, bourbon finished, rye finished. And I respect what they've done, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, bourbon's bourbon by itself. That's the way it correct. should be. And I, I think, Finished stuff should be whiskey. That's just my opinion. Like maybe I'm too old school because I grew up around it. But uh, why are you hiding something, man? Just uh, <laughs> bourbon, bourbon. You know, Ryan. Like, if you do that, we'd have to have like a whole spinoff show of called like whiskey finished in pork cask pursuit. You know, it's just it's just too many words. <laughs> well, well, then don't do it. Do, do I just fill the URL. So make good uh, bourbon if you want bourbon on your label. You know, but. You know, as as we look at what the future is, all right, so it, it, things are taking off and people are getting more influence, uh, you know, throughout the throughout the consumer base, throughout the, the governance. And, you know, what does it look like in 10 years? We've seen what this looks like now after really a 10 year explosion of barrel finishes. If in 10 years this continues to escalate, uh, it is going to be a shit show. And bourbon will be damaged if we do not hold the line on what is bourbon. And Amen. if it would have stopped with Angel's Envy, we wouldn't have a problem. If it would have stopped with that style, we wouldn't have a problem. But it didn't. So I guess uh, to kind of wrap this little segment up, if there is a, a call to action for bourbon consumers out there, Fred, Wade, like what is what is that action that somebody should take? Well, my saying is if it's not straight, you must debate. <laughs> I love it. He, he's been he's been teeing that one up for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. We got the next t-shirts coming up. I'd add stick to bottled and bond because that's not getting messed with. That's got the go. rules. Right. That's even even more. That's straight plus basically. Well, shit, Brian. Then you're only going to have like twelve whiskeys in your bar. <laughs> you think bottled and bond is not getting messed with? I I. I my latest blog post talks about a bottled and bronze product mm. out there that's really crossing the line and got approved. Yeah. So, oh, look at that. 
Damn, Kenny, I'm glad uh, Wade, we reached out to Wade for Pursuit Spirits. Let me close with one more thing on this topic, though. If people do like these Finnish whiskeys, I did a little experiment recently of trying to make my own at home by just adding a little port or a little sherry or a little Grand Marnier directly to the bottles and let them marry for 30 days. And then I had a panel of uh, – 11 blind tasters taste my version versus the commercial versions. And two out of the three, my versions won easily hand down. So you can make these products at home by starting with a good straight bourbon base. I like it. A couple of things. Uh, one, uh, bottled and bond from a lab- labeling perspective is starting to be, um, you know, kind of um, messed with. Uh, uh, Whistle Pig has a bottled and barn. So you see, mm-hmm. you see something like that that's out there. So uh, we've seen flavored whiskeys make it through the TTB as bottled and bond. Uh, so bottled and bond is is absolutely, you know, it can be, um, you know, penetrated. And and I look at, I, I always go back to rum when we talk about this. Take a look at the state of affairs in rum. Rum is a, there's not many really genuine pure producers left. So if you want if you want bourbon to turn into that, then let's just you know let let this continue to go. Buy more legend, legend. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I mean, I think we uh, we definitely came away with some some learnings here. Uh, so anybody that's out there, make sure you are you're reading the labels. You know what you're buying, and you make sure you're looking at a lot of these guys' blog posts because they go in depth, and, and you'll be smarter because of it. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point-of-sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's point of sale Go Mobile device for a battle tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus Magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. But up next, I kind of want to talk about sort of the the hype train that continues to build just around limited editions and everything like that. And that was because this past week in Kentucky, there was the last edition of the Kentucky Wildcats Maker's Mark limited edition of release. And Maker's Mark does one of these every single year. It's it's usually in the Kentucky, southern Indiana surrounding areas. They'll make somewhere between 12,000 to 20,000 of these bottles. And of course, there's just people lined up around the liquor barns and Total Wines and other stores and the Costco's. And I look at this and I I try to view it from a retail standpoint. And I'm kind of curious and and kind of look at you all. Is this the the greatest scam that's ever been invented? Because it seems like retailers just make so much money over doing nothing. Like they can just sell a bottle like that in, in an instant. Kentucky fans will buy anything. Absolutely. I think it goes more than just that. I think Makers has this down to a science. I mean, they've been not just Kentucky, but they do. They've been doing this for years. It's like, all right, what sports team won? Let's roll out the red wax, or not red wax. Let's roll out the different colored wax. 
Let's slap it on there and people go gaga for it, right? I mean, and kudos to they did for the RNC and the DNC uh, conventions two years right? ago. Yeah, yeah. They did a long time. They've been doing that for a long time. The Rock the Vote bottles, yeah. for sure, yeah. Well, right. that, yeah, it's, that, yeah, Jordan, it's an art. Yeah. That, that, there's a long tradition of that, right? You know, with all the decanters and everything from years past that the distilleries would put out. Maker's Mark seems to be the only one who continues to keep it a long-living tradition. And, yeah, I mean, you know, I guess if you see it on the shelf, and you're like, ah, I kind of like bourbon, and there's my sports team on there. Okay, I'll buy it. You know, it's – it's. Well, but I think – so you, you bring up a good point, Blake, but those decanters were when bourbon really wasn't selling. So people are yeah. going more for the so – Why are they – Decanters yeah. and the bourbon, right? Maker's – I mean, people are buying bourbon left and right now, but they're still rocking it out, but – People, people love it. I mean, you know, and it's but not you think like about like the justify bottles, those things just sell out automatically yep. where now they just, they have the market cornered because if Buffalo trace comes out with a Kentucky wildcats bottle, everyone's like, hold on a second, <laughs> somebody else, but you know, everybody just expects it of makers. So it's but just the biggest kind of newbie, yeah. newbie question that I see is that most of these newbies out there think there's these are special editions that there's some kind of special bourbon in the in the glass. I don't know. They they source them from Stitzel Weller. Is wait, wait, wait. <laughs> it's all twelve year old makers, Mark. Everybody, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's the over oak maker's yeah. mark. Yeah. <laughs> you go through the door. This is what over oak tastes like. I'm like, actually, that's pretty good. <laughs> oh, okay. I kind of like it at 10 years. Could you release this? Yeah. I'll take I one. Why. I was one of those suckers and kept buying them for a while, and then I realized that it's the same juice, and so I just started oh. using them as mixers. Like, yeah. <laughs> hand them in a bar. It's like, here you go. But I think, I mean, I think certain brands, right? So you got makers, but Woodford does it with their Derby bottle, right? Yeah. yeah. People go Gaia for that. I think each brand has their niche and they, uh, I don't want to say they, a, who was it? Secretariat? That for, yeah. Or, oh yeah, that was, uh, oh, that was, a, that was yeah, actually a limited, yeah. like super limited. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was good. <laughs> that secretary one, Penny Chenery, the owner of secretary, yeah. picked it out. That was, yeah. that was one of the coolest experiences of my career it was, Pick, uh, being with her when she picked that bottle, That's but cool. these, but these things are, you know, we can bitch about a lot of different things, but this is a little bit to me of the spirit of just having some fun. You know, it is what it is. They've been doing it for a long time. It brings in outside outsiders interested into uh, to the category. It gets new, you know, new fan bases excited. I, I like it. Um, most people don't open the bottles, yep. you know, and right. they're I, impossible to open. You get all those layers <laughs> of wax on there. The last one I tried to open was the Astros World Series bottle. I had to take a blowtorch to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure somebody on here wanted a uh, a beam a beam Cubs bottle when it came out. Just for the collectability, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, there you I'm go, right? I mean, you out of it, and there you go. I've worked hard to get never, it. I mean, they could put just colored water in there, and no one would know the <laughs> difference. Know. Because I'll never do it. I mean, no one, no one opens so, these things. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like, you know, we talked about it on a community roundtable in the past of having a signed bottle. You're like, well, do I really want to open, a bu- open up a bottle that's been signed? It's like, nah, you know, I'll just open up something else. So you know, kind of one of those things, just going to sit on the shelf. It's going to be a cool decoration. I open my sign bottles, so do you? I, I do. Yeah, you really are a rare bird. <laughs> <laughs> you well, taste better. <laughs> it just—he just set me up so well for that <laughs> one. I couldn't. That's resist. a funny pitch right there. <laughs> it really is. So after tonight, which bottle will they be making? Oh. <laughs> after national championship, UVA, yep. Texas Tech bottle. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, it's we'll just marketing. Out. It's just marketing, though. I mean, it, it's not. I mean, it, none of the uh, enthusiasts are really being like you know enticed by these. It, it's mm-hmm. it's more for the, the you know the mass public that that enjoys makers and beam and, and it's just. I don't see anything wrong with it personally. I think it's a, a, a smart move on their part. Makers has always had great marketing. That's kind of their thing, you know. Right. Um, cheers to them for doing it. You know, they so good, invented good for it. them. Good for Kentucky. Yeah. Makers has a a really big collector scene as well, right? I mean, there's there's guys who just have you know Brian Brian and um, there's another guy, uh, but that you know they have hundreds of these bottles. They buy every single one, so you know they got to feed the audience. 
as well, right. um, which is pretty cool. So almost spent $200 on a Jaguars Maker's Mark bottle one time from the AFC. Uh, I don't even know what they did it for. It wasn't the AFC Championship, but... But you did that because uh, you were a sports fan. Yeah, no, no, he was a Bourbon fan. He did that back yeah. when he was playing. Yeah, <laughs> I was on the team, and the uh, Mark Brunell threw me a touchdown pass. Uh, Silhouette was on the bottle. He was like, "Hold on, am I really about to pay two hundred dollars for Maker's Mark?" <laughs> yeah. All right, so I want to kind of just dovetail this into the the last topic tonight, and this is again going to be more across on the retail side because I, I kind of pitched that one as as kind of a build up because I look at it in a way that oh, it's going to sell no matter what. You know, it's it's limited, blah blah blah. Even if it's not limited with twenty thousand bottles in one state and you're only targeting a a sports team it's still going to sell out no matter what but then we start looking at some things when it comes to something we all love and talk about which is barrel picks and barrel selections and there's some some retailers out there that they don't care about what's inside the bottle they will get a barrel sample or they'll get a phone call and they say, hey, we've got three barrels. Uh, we've got a, a nine, nine year, nine and a half year and a 10 year. They go, I'll just t- we'll take the 10 year. It doesn't matter. Like we'll, we'll take it because it's age and that's what sells. So when so what do you all kind of think of this? Like, do you think that in, in this sort of this today's market that, yeah, age is going to sell a product. It doesn't matter what it tastes like or anything like that. You got a four roses that's 10 years, 10 and a half years old. It's going to sell. No problem. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I mean, I think it just does. Or sorry, go ahead, Ryan. Oh, no. Well, I won't say where we were and who this was for, but when Kenny and I were in a barrel pick recently, the master distiller, we went through 10 barrels and he picked one and he goes, well, this is going to such and such store. And we're like, that one sucks or something. And he was like, well, they won't care. Something <laughs> 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 like along those lines. And so it's like, just always make sure where you're buying stuff, you know who's picking the barrels because yep. a lot of times they're out there and they're just like, it's going to who? They're not here. All right, send them this one, you know. So that's my just take on it. Well, I think we, I forget who it was, but they were talking about, you know, the difference between group picks and store picks is a pretty big thing or, or just trusting the store that's picking it. You know, we, we had that experience at when we did our uh, BCR Buffalo Trace pick, there were a couple barrels in there where we're like, this just isn't very good. And we were like, you know, how, what happens to these barrels? And it was like, well, somebody's going to eventually get these. And you know, it's just the store who says, yeah, um, just give me whatever. whatever. Yeah. It's going to sell out no matter what. So yeah. it, it's another one of those things where it gets like hyped up, hyped up. Oh, you got to get store picks. You got to get store picks. And then all of a sudden just garbage starts flowing into store picks as well. And now it's like, okay, you got to trust who's actually picking these because, Otherwise, you're going to end up with something that's worse than just what you would find on the shelf. But yeah, say, stickers, so. People are falling yeah, for the profile. age trap. You know, they're yep. falling oh, for, yeah. for for yep. something with a big age on it. I, I I'll be honest with you, like with Knob Creek picks, uh, the 13, 14 year picks are just not my thing. Um, I mean, I like them more around the nine year mark uh, from the ones I've tasted. But that, maybe that's just a personal preference. Um, but like with Russell's Reserve, uh, I recently had a, a pick from Justin's House of Bourbon. Uh, and I was like, this is amazing. I mean, it, the finish was a little short, but the nose and the palate was amazing. And I found out it was just barely cracking eight years. And I was like, really? And it was from Camp Nelson F, which it, from my experience has been very spicy, with a lot of dry spice and heat. And uh, this one was real fruity. It was very kind of almost like Four Roses-like, like OBSO or something. And I was like, this is just incredible. And he was like, yeah, man, it was just, it was barely eight years. I was worried you wouldn't like it. And I'm like, I love this thing. And so uh, you can't really go, I didn't know what the age was going into it. And and you can't just assume that because it's got double digits that it's going to be good. Um, that is not true. Um, there are plenty of eight, nine-year picks out there of, of various, you know, Four Roses, uh, Jim Beam, whatever, that are excellent. So don't go by age, but a lot of people fall for the age trap. 14 year Knob Creek, you know, got to get it now. You know, it's like, I don't know. You might want to taste it first, you know? Yeah. And people yeah, fall I, for I the, totally agree. Just, yeah, just trust, the, trust who's doing the picks. Yeah. They fall for the age, age, and they also fall for the proof a lot too, right? So yeah. you'll see the same thing. It's like, oh, it's high proof. That's, I just, I'll get the highest proof. Or a short barrel. Oh, okay. short barrel. Got to right. jump exactly. on Exactly. <laughs> right. So, oh, yeah. you know, it goes right back to what Brian I mean, said, what we're all talking about. You got to know the people picking it. Mm-hmm. Right. And just and find a flavor profile of somebody else that has a similar you know, taste as you do and just trust them. 
Yeah, so uh, Elixir Spirits here commented in the chat and said, as happens quite often, he had an eight-year, 11-month OESK he took delivery on uh, over a 12-year OBSF. However, the OESK took one and a half years to sell versus the 12-year, which only took six months. So, yeah, I think it, it really boils down to people have this idea of, of age statements when they go in and and they don't really care. He, he even said, he even told customers that the OESK tasted better too. So that, that kind of just goes, it. yeah, people still bought yeah. it. And well, I think, I think this is sort of the thing that we're starting to see. And, and what I'm starting to see with some of the, uh, the retailers is that they don't, they don't care about going and tasting it. They're just like, sure, just get the highest age, put it in a bottle. It's going to sell no matter what. That's well, you don't see age statements on every other thing. So you're like, I think people get excited when they see like a higher age on something yeah, just because, uh, your age statements are gone now, so that might be why. Well, I think a little bit of this too, you know, you're starting to see um, this is, you know, we're, we're talking about this, but there's another coin to this is that the distillers are uh, going to the distributors and saying, if you guys don't take this barrel, you're sending us a clear message. Uh, these re retailers are not necessarily doing this by choice. I mean, yes, they are uh, selling it, but a lot of the bigger ones you know, they're trying to keep that – they're trying to keep their allocations, and their guys still go in there and get the the, the sweet honey barrels. But uh, they do take on uh, a load that, uh, you know, that maybe Old Forester doesn't want or Knob Creek doesn't want, you know, doesn't have like a group coming in and, and selecting them. So it's not necessarily always uh, the retailer's best interest to say no to these larger distillers who are dictating who is getting barrels right now. Right. Yep. Everybody's on the chopping block, so you got to just take nope. it, take what you can get. <laughs> I know a large retailer here in Houston that uh, they like to have store picks, but not with their particular name on it. So they want some kind of designation, some kind of sticker on the bottle that it was a uh, a private barrel pick. But in case it's bad, they don't really want to have their name on the bottle. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh I guess two-edged sword because you know then if people love it, you don't even get to claim it as. The greatest thing ever. Yep. That's when you have some side stickers. Just start putting on after the fact. Of course, I go around to stores and randomly throw little stickers on them that looks like a private barrel pick. <laughs> just, to, just to help them run through inventory faster. Yeah. A bunch of unicorn stickers, you know, just yeah. <laughs> this is the unicorn. That's that's probably the next good prank that you could probably pull next for April Fools. Just go into Total Wine and just start putting stickers on everything and, and just see just put a few pictures out there and just watch people start running. Who knows? I bet the retailers would actually like that because it would get more like a social media traction for them. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Press is good press. Mm -hmm. Good deal. So that's going to help. That's going to wrap it up for tonight's episode. I want to say thank you, everybody, for joining us, whether you're live watching us uh, through the chat. Um, and then also thank you to everybody here on the panel that joined us. Uh, so, Ryan, Fred, thank you again. Uh, and I kind of want to go around the uh, around the horn one more time to let people give an opportunity to say where you blog and uh, yeah, kind of start closing it out. So, Blake, we'll start off with you, buddy. Yeah, I'm Blake from bourboner.com. Always great to be on here. Good to be back in uh, the full aspect and not just a quick drop in. So you can find me uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, B-O-U-R-B-O-N-R. -R. Also check out sealbox.com. That's S-E-E-L-B-A-C-H-S. -E -E we uh, specialize in craft spirits. So uh, check it out. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Get all your bourbon delivered right to your door. <laughs> Whether it's finishing a cask or not, it still, it still comes to your door. All kinds of bourbon. They do all kinds. We can, rum, we can, yeah, whatever you want. You take your pick. No, a lot of good stuff. Um, uh, New Riff just uh, barrel landed last week, so that was that was a big one. It's already gone, so you're, you're too late. You can get some of the other New Riff stuff if you'd like. <laughs> good deal. Brian, go ahead and go next. All right. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on again. Uh, Brian with Sippin' Corn and you can find me at sippincorn.com and bourbonjustice.com. Check it out on Amazon and through Potomac's website. Good deal. Jordan, you're up next, buddy. Sure. This is Jordan, one of the three guys from Breaking Bourbon. You can find us on social media at Breaking Bourbon along with Patreon. Uh, visit the site for our daily updates, our release calendar, along with our in-depth reviews. 
Good deal. And uh, we'll just keep going in order we had before. So, Wade, you're up next. Yes, uh, my blog is tater-talk.com. Or for the folks that are listening in Texas, they might want to check out uh, texaswhiskey.org. There we go. Big things happening in Texas. All right, always. Always, always big things. (laughs) And David, go ahead. All right. Well, uh, if you want to uh, read some wild turkey reviews, go to rearbird101.com. You can find me on Instagram at rearbird101. You can find me on Twitter at rbird101. Uh, and of course, I'm on Patreon, patreon.com slash rearbird101. And I have a Kickstarter, as you've probably heard about uh, a book I've written about wild turkey. And I want to thank all my Patreon supporters and uh, the people that have pledged on Kickstarter and all my followers and readers. And last but certainly certainly not least, uh, thank you, Fred. Thank you for, for, for talking with me and guiding me through this process and being so supportive. I, I appreciate it. And I hope that everyone recognizes that you know, as passionate as I, as I am about wild turkey, Fred is passionate about bourbon. So oh, thank Man, you. I was about to say, it's a good thing you're talking about Fred there. Cause I was about to pull like a Bob Barker, like yeah. the wheels, the wheels getting ready to stop spinning. Like you need to go and pay really, attention to what, what uh, yeah, your numbers going to really, really uh, trying hard for that, uh, bourbon plus spot. Uh, <laughs> the discount. I got to get that discount now. Uh, like, uh, you have uh, private jet ads in there. You'll be selling. Uh, we do. Yeah. Absolutely. And so make sure you're following, uh, of course, Bourbon Pursuit on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You're also following Fred Minnick at all those different channels and supporting, of course, Bourbon Plus there as well. Uh, Ryan, go ahead and close it out for us, buddy. Ooh, Bourbon Plus. Uh, no, thanks, guys, uh, for joining us as always. Uh, this is the shortest one ever. I guess there's something going on tonight or something. Uh, but uh, no, uh, appreciate everyone. I mean, super excited for the the rare bird dave jennings book i'm uh super pumped so please support that because i think it's going to be a great addition to anyone's bourbon library but uh anyways uh thanks everyone i guess go calves i don't know i mean it's not <laughs> no. like that, so i don't know yeah we'll see what happens yep <laughs> yeah well with that thank you everybody and we see you all next week cheers cheers cheers, cheers. cheers. cheers.